know. I grew up in a very patriarchal home. My dad was a very strong figure in the house. Um, we went to him for advice, for security. We looked to him for provision. Um, he was truly my mentor and my best friend. He was my spiritual leader. He led me to the Lord at a very young age. He discipled me in the Lord. Um, so when the day came for my dad to depart and pass, it was an amazing grace that God gave me the timing to be there in the hospital room the moment that his heart stopped. And not only was that grace there that I might be in the room with him, but it was also a grace that I might be holding him physically as he went into heaven and saw the throne of Christ. It was an amazing event, really, when I looked and saw the light leave his eyes. I can't even begin to describe it. Maybe some of you have seen that before. Maybe some of you experienced that before. There's parts of it that are very disorienting. There's parts of it that are sort of strange. But there's also a part of it that was very comforting and very peaceful and very graceful to know that if there was light there, light doesn't dissipate, it goes to light. And that he left to go and be with Jesus. I remember the days after that and the years after that thinking to myself, gosh, I'd like to call Dad up and ask him some questions about this situation. I would like to talk to him about what's going on in my life. I'd like to ask him a few places of advice on what I should do with work or what I should do with the care of his wife or what I should do with looking after the things that were his. I wish deeply that he had written some type of instruction book. Better yet, I wish he had left me a recording of his voice instructing me things to do and how to handle and where to go and where to be and what to say. Jesus has done that here in these scriptures and leaving the Holy Spirit for you and I that He would keep His promise to us. That His promise was this, that He would not leave you and I as orphans, but that we would have the full adoption of sons and daughters. And by being sons and daughters, He would send the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to indwell us, to fill us, to live within us, that we might know what Christ would have us do as His people. How He would have us handle certain situations. How He would have us interact with one another and with the world. The instructions are there in His book for sure. But He didn't just leave us the notepad. He put His voice within us. The recording of His heart within our hearts 
that we might live how he would have us to live unto his glory. This is true of every believer. Whether you're a nominal believer, small in the faith, know just a few things. Just know that Jesus loves me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. Or whether you're a seminary graduate who has a ton of books on a shelf and have some kind of paper on the wall. It doesn't matter in that scope where you fit. It doesn't matter what you've seen. What matters is this, that as a disciple, a follower, a person plugged into the vine, a branch in the vine, you are continually being filled to the fullest and then some by the Holy Spirit. And that is the depositing guarantee that you belong to Jesus and that you and I belong to one another. You see, Jesus says, you are my sons, you are my daughters, evidenced by the sealing of this spirit. Romans 8.15 says this, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided that we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. You see, this is the depositing truth of the Holy Spirit within you and I. It's the adoption. It's the place where we, we have a different relationship to God than anyone has ever had before. That we call Him Daddy, Abba, Father. And in that relationship, everything that belongs to Jesus is filtered down through him to you and I. And as we live in this world, we suffer in this world just like he suffered for the purpose of being glorified out of this world in the same way that he was glorified. That is your destiny. That is what Jesus has done for you and the Holy Spirit proclaims that in our hearts hourly, daily, moment by moment, every second, speaking the gospel into the ears of our hearts, saying, you are his sons, you are his daughters, you are his people. This comes directly from Jesus to his apostles. Look with me at 1526 because I want you to see, first of all, that you and I, because of the Holy Spirit, are children of testimony. We are children of testimony. 
Jesus says, but when the helper comes, this word helper is paraclete. It is a one, it's a word that means one who comes alongside to help us, to uphold us, to defend us, to strengthen us, to encourage us, to feed us. Isn't it good to know that as you walk through this world, suffering as Christ has suffered, that Christ himself by his spirit, the Holy Spirit, is with you, holding you up. And helping you to bear the things of this world. Oh, how often we leave the Spirit dormant within us. We don't call upon Him. We don't even think to think that He might be there. Mostly because we live lives seeking not to be challenged by the world. But we live lives thinking, how can I be more part of the world. If we want to be part of the world, you'll find very little need to call upon the Holy Spirit in your life. Because Jesus says this, He will send the Helper, and He will come. He will come to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. Look at what his job is. He will bear witness about me. The role of the Holy Spirit throughout all of history, throughout all of eternity, will always primarily and first point to Christ. If you find a spirit that points you in any direction other than the lordship of Christ in your life and bearing the fruit of the vine of Christ in your life and bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit in your life, any spirit that would seek to prune that fruit off of your tree is not of Christ. Because the Spirit's primary job is to point to Jesus and the work of Jesus not only on your behalf, but on the behalf of the world. And he will always point you and I to that. Because look at this. Verse 27. And you also will bear witness. The Spirit will bear witness and you too will bear witness. Because you have been with me. This is true for the apostles. It's also true for you and I. That you and I are to harmonize with the Holy Spirit. That we are to not only have Him as our helper and our comforter, but we are to be the harmonizing voice with the message of the Holy Spirit that points to the glory of Jesus and who Jesus is. Your life song and my life song must be the song of the Spirit that says we are His and He is ours and we are each other's. And the world must know that our God reigns in spirit and in truth and in love and in grace. And you and I are the singers of that song. Isn't it good to know that God has invited you and I to harmonize with the chorale of heaven? Isn't it good to know that your voice, my voice, comes along with the Spirit's voice to say, Jesus is King. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus died for me. 
Isn't that good to know? The the purpose of the Spirit's coming was to testify and for us to harmonize. Think with me for a moment at Acts chapter 2. I mentioned Pentecost in the prayer, but think for a moment. Tongues of fire coming down from the upper room that the disciples were in, pouring down on them. And what did they do? It says that they spoke in foreign tongues. And there were Jews from all over the world. There in Jerusalem... Hearing the gospel. They weren't hearing foreign messages. They weren't hearing things that needed to be interpreted. They were hearing things in their own language. And the things that they were hearing were the things of Jesus. The Holy Spirit was speaking through the apostles to tell the world the gospel of Christ. Oh, how we would have tongues of fire come down from this ceiling. And fall on your heads and on mine. That we might be consumed with a holy passion. To tell the world about the glory of our Lord. What if our days were consumed with that message? What if our focus was nothing more than to advance the kingdom of God? What if our lives were empowered and totally sold out to making sure that the gospel was spoken in this community? What if you and I really truly believed that that was the purpose of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life and in mine? That He has equipped you and I with incredible power to speak amazing truth, to testify to the world along with the Holy Spirit that Jesus is the Lord over all of us. You see, you and I are children of testimony. And because of this testimony in verse, our chapter 16, 1 and 4, we find out if that is truly our life, if that is our mission in life, if we are totally sold out to the kingdom of Christ in a radical way, that He totally owns our hearts, and we seek to live contrarian to the world, and to behave differently than the world would behave. To apply a wisdom that comes from heaven and not from Wall Street. Then guess what? Here's the promise from Jesus. You will be hated. I'm always concerned when I don't feel hatred coming towards me. I'm always concerned when I don't have a lot of criticism coming. Not because I could be wrong, because I can be wrong a lot. But when the criticism is, I'm behaving like the world would behave, when I'm treating others the way the world would treat them, when I'm thinking like the world would want me to think, I fit right in. I'm just another guy who has a religion. But when I live the way that Jesus has called me to live, when I do the things that Jesus has called me to do, when I behave the way that Jesus has called me to behave, I find there's pushback. I find there's discord. I find that there's a contrarian way that the world wants to treat me. 
Jesus says, I've told you these things to keep you from falling away. In other words, Jesus told us up front it was going to be this way. Understand it. Understand the life I'm calling you to. I'm telling you beforehand so that when it comes to you, if you're really going to live like I tell you to live, guess what? It's going to be hard. Because your flesh and my flesh is always going to move towards the world. But the Holy Spirit is within us, beckoning us back, calling us back, reminding us what Jesus said. Jesus said, I told you this to keep you from falling away. And here's the thing. This opposition will come from two places. First place it's going to come is from religion of flesh and law. The first place opposition will come from is religiosity. It will come from seeking self-righteousness before the righteousness of Christ. Verse 2, They will put you out of the synagogues, and indeed the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that they are offering a service to God. Those were the religious people of the day. Those were the followers of Yahweh during the day, who at least thought that they were. But they were the people who found their righteousness in themselves, who found their righteousness in their judgmentalism. They found their righteousness in thinking that they were the purveyors and the best visionaries of the law of God. They were the scholars. They were the lawyers. They were the worldly people who had let the world creep so far into religion that religion was no longer about loving God and the love of God towards them, but it was about loving their power, loving their place, loving their own egos more than they loved God. And here's what's so insidious. It was people who loved the things of God more than they loved God. It's a scary proposition. And it's a question that you and I must continually ask ourselves by conviction of the Holy Spirit. Am I loving the things of God more than I love God? Here's an easy way to see. Am I growing in self-righteousness? Or am I growing in Christ's righteousness? Am I bearing the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control, long-suffering? Or am I bearing a fruit that looks much like the Rotary Club? Am I part of advancing the kingdom of Christ? Or am I a distraction to the kingdom of Christ advancing? You see, there's a group of Pharisees 
And there's a little bit of Pharisee in all of us that must be tampered down, that must be quailed, that must have the gospel preached to it to remind us that the Spirit is here not to point to me and not to point to you, but is within us to point to Jesus. And the commonality that every single one of us in this room have for the need of the mercy and the blood of Christ shed for us. And if we live that way, people who find their faith and religion will find it a service to kick us out. When tradition, traditionalism, and religionism are the isms that we place our faith in, Jesus will be lost in that. But the Holy Spirit would have us lift up Christ in the unity of Christ and the power of Christ, realizing that Christ sits on the throne, is the head and the king of not just this church, but every church. That he is the king and the head, not only of the big C church and the little C churches, but the soul of every follower of Christ. You and I are not our own autonomous princes and prince. We are subject to the sovereign king. And our lives are at his pleasure, and his pleasure is this that he would incarnate you with his spirit to live and behave like he would have you live and behave so that he would find testimony along with his spirit that he is the God of all. The second place is the world and its system. 1 John 2:15 says this, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. Try, give to those who ever ask of you without a qualifier. Isn't it funny? I know I do this when Jesus says, give to whoever asks of you, and he doesn't qualify it. I immediately help him out. There's got to be some qualifying things here, Jesus. You forgot a few things. When I'm there, I feel the Spirit convict me and say that the omniscient God hasn't forgotten a thing. It's me not wanting to do what He commanded me to do. When Jesus says, if they strike you on the cheek, turn the other. Well, let me, let me help you out there, Jesus, with that. Let's explain this now. I've only got two cheeks here. Oh, yeah, when they take my coat, I'm supposed to give them my shirt as well. Jesus, are you mincing words or are you telling me the truth? 
Really? The Spirit teaches me do not qualify and go places that Jesus didn't lead you. Don't turn what Jesus said into the way the world views Jesus. Don't begin to rationalize with worldly wisdom the things that are celestial. Don't begin to explain with flesh what is spirit. Try submitting. Try that awful word of submission to humble yourself, for me to humble myself, to come before the throne of God and fall on my knees and say, God, your king, do as you will. And teach me to will what you do. Do not love the world, Brad, or the things of the world. I hear it in my head all the time. I live with three freezers, two refrigerators, with air forced heat, several beds, two or three couches, and a grocery budget. That I break monthly. I didn't get this body from being frugal. I struggle with loving the world. And always the Spirit is echoing me do not love the world or the things of the world. Well, Lord, I have to eat. You don't have to eat so much. I don't have a two-bicycle garage. I have a two-car garage. I know people in this world who would beg to have a bicycle to ride so that they could get their children to the doctor. And I whine. If the waiter brings me cold food, oh, it makes me so angry. I know there are people in this world that would love to have a cold bug to eat. We've got to get away from the world, believers. The Spirit is calling us to live differently. The Word of God beckons us that if we give in to this worldly passion, then we lose the love of God. We don't lose God loving us, but we will certainly lose the experience of knowing that love. Secondly, we are children of the reigning king. Verses 6 and 7. Because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's an interesting dialogue there that Jesus says. Certainly the, the disciples had asked him before, where are you going? 
But it was never in the context of Jesus permanently leaving them. This time it's in the context of Jesus saying, I'm going away and I'm not coming back. Except for a small appearance. And then I'm going away and you won't see me any longer. And Jesus says, why aren't you upset about that? Because what you're upset about is, I'm not going to be here to meet your physical needs and give you protection any longer. You're worried about you. Why aren't you concerned about the bigger picture? Because if I go, the bigger picture is going to happen. Albert Barnes gives us several reasons why Jesus departs and why he tells this to his disciples. One of them is this. They would become a witness to the resurrection and thereby the power of the gospel would be enhanced. They would be witnesses to the ascension of Jesus. The risen king. No longer would it be a rabbi that was God who they thought would stay with them and make Israel the new America. But he was going to be the reigning heavenly king who they would see ascend into his glory. What a different perspective they would have on Jesus after his ascension. What different power entered their lives because of the ascension of Christ and the incarnation of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Think simply of Peter. How did Peter change? You're the Lord. I don't know you. I'm going to change the world. If that's true for Peter, that same Holy Spirit that dwelled in Peter that allowed him to give testimony and glory to the, the, the kingship of Christ is the same Holy Spirit that indwells you and I today. He hasn't deluded himself. It is what you and I are called to. Second thing is, is that Jesus would rule from his throne over all the earth. That Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth given to him as he rules on his throne in heaven. His omnipresence is back with him. His omniscience is back with him. His omnipotence is back with him. And he uses it to have all authority to rule over the world. They would also see the working of the Trinity. The Father sends the Spirit because the Son is called. They would see the inner workings of the love of God and the economy of the Trinity. And lastly, they would see redemption applied because God would come and dwell with man. Fulfilling the promises of the Old Testament. From Isaiah 6. And he will be called Emmanuel. God with us. The Holy Spirit came to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. How too is he to convict us of our own sin, our need for the righteousness of Christ, and the judgment of well done, good and faithful servant? 
Three things to close with this morning. How do I begin this life with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? First thing is this. Trust in that power that is within you. Let me give you this principle. You can't trust who you do not know. You won't trust who you do not know. How do you get to know the Holy Spirit? Read the Word of God. Call out to Him and ask Him to illuminate the Word of God to you. To minister to your heart. To show you the comfort that is yours in Him. To show you the power that indwells you. To help you see how He would display His power in your life if you will trust Him. Ask the Holy Spirit to equip you to do the work of God in testifying to who He is. Secondly, I'm sorry, in addition to that, behave as a child and not a Pharisee. Behave as a child of God and not a Pharisee. Don't look to your own righteousness, but look to the righteousness of Christ. Secondly, apply the truth into your life. In other words, live out the gospel in your life. If Jesus gives you a command, follow it. Don't explain it away. Just submit and follow it. And in that you will find the Holy Spirit pouring into your life and exuding out of your life. Then thirdly, testify about the work of the Holy Spirit pointing to Christ. Join the Holy Spirit in His song. Show the world Jesus. Show the world how forgiving Christ is. Show the world how patient God is. Show the world how kind He has been. Show the world how He has suffered long to have his loved ones come to him. Show the world the grace and the mercy that you have received. Show the world you would trust no other but Yahweh. Show the world that you are eternal. Show the world that you are one with every other believer. Testify that Christ lives in you. And you find life in Him. In the way that I wanted my dad to give me a book to tell me what to do, your Father, my Father, our Father in Heaven has left us this book with the power and the indwellment of the Holy Spirit to tell us what to do. It tells us who we are, what we are to do. And because of that, look at this last verse. All that the Father has is mine, and therefore I said that the Holy Spirit will take what is mine and declare it to you. You and I are destined to live in the glory of Jesus together. Let the world know. Amen.